Hey listeners, welcome to the Intelligent Conversations, where we believe that everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. We invite guests from various backgrounds to share with you what makes them unique. Our hope is that you and I can learn and grow together. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to learn from Kathy Nesbitt. Kathy is a worm advocate and founder of Kathy's Crawley Composters. She believes worms play a critical role in waste management. So Kathy also engages in laughter yoga, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about that today. I'm excited. So Kathy, thank you for coming on today. I am looking forward to learning from you. But I like to start with this question. Worms, what got you into that? I think that's just such a unique pathway. What got you into worms? I'll squirm my way right into the conversation. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, right? It's like, are you born wanting to be a worm advocate? No, there was nobody that in my in my uh, model in my you know. Anyway, how did I? So I'm lo- located in in Canada, in, north of Toronto, and in 2002, the landfill for the Greater Toronto Area closed. And although oh, Canada's wow. very, right, <laughs> problem. <Yeah. laughs> oh, now what? <laughs> and although it's a, you know, Canada's pretty large country, uh, we couldn't find a place to site a new landfill. And we started to export our garbage to the U.S., um, to Michigan. <clears throat> 200 trucks a day, Monday to Friday. So a thousand trucks a week. Can you imagine? That's a lot of garbage. Pew. So, uh, yeah, how do like how do you become an entrepreneur? You see a problem and then you have a solution. Business, you marry the two, boom. So I so I I was I had an employee like I was an employee before that. I I worked Mm -hmm. as a secretary office worker for 20 years and I thought that was my lot in life. I loved it. I was great at it. You know, I did my people pleasing part like, oh, you, can I can you get me a coffee? Sure. I know that that doesn't happen mm-hmm. anymore, probably. <laughs> That's the intern's like, job. Get your own dang coffee. <laughs> I didn't say that. I got the coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot, actually. OK, so then, um, yeah, so the landfill closed. All these things happened. And it's a, I think it's a fascinating path. I thought I love starting with that question. I'll, I'll get to it. <laughs> so the landfill closed and I would add a do. And, and all this, all the while I'm an avid gardener composter. I had, um, left secretarial, got my psych degree in 2000 and I was working at a group home, um, with challenged adults. And anyway, so the, the, the whole path to introduce me to the worms that's kind of another whole story, but how I got into the worm business was the landfill closed and we couldn't find a place. Yeah. And then, and so I was like, I have a solution. Six, six million people in the greater Toronto area, half living in condos, townhouses without space to do outdoor composting. So what I'm proposing is indoor composting with worms, worms in the house, Josh, who doesn't want that? (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. So tell me like kind of how that works. So I mean, I know there's composting. I've seen like ads about that. And it's pretty much you put your garbage in a place like in your garden or something like that. And then you let it just kind of sit there and decompose. So are worms like necessary for that? I mean, I'm by all means, I am not a worm expert. I'm just asking what what role do worms play in decomposing trash? I love it. Let's go back to what is composting. So composting is nature's way to look after our organic matter. 
So yes, usually done outside, just a pile or maybe you have a composter. You put your food scraps and your paper and your uh, or outside you would put your yard waste, leaves, grass, you know, all your clippings. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Mix it up, add water. After a certain amount of time, it turns into compost or humus. And you just like fertilizer, you just put that then back on your ground. Simple concept, right? So everything kind of rots and goes back and and renews becomes food for something else so the idea of the worms because this is in the house regular composting wouldn't work in the house that would it would be too messy too slow it just wouldn't work because you need the heat and anyway that it's so this is indoor composting with the worms and what the worms do is they eat half their weight per day in food scraps so they're so same concept your food scraps your paper carbon nitrogen and in the house, it would be your shredded paper would be the carbon. So another way gotcha. to get rid of some of your paper waste, like your confidential documents, feed them to the worms. <laughs> no one's taking your identity. <laughs> okay, <laughs> another side business. <laughs> right? So then you have your, your paper. It's in, a, say, a Rubbermaid container. You've got your shredded paper, and then the worms are in there. And then when you're feeding your food scraps, you bury it in the bedding. So you've got, imagine a bin with paper um, food scraps and the worms are in there and then they're eating they're eating half their weight it's aerobic process meaning with oxygen so it doesn't smell like rotting food that's interesting so there's like no smell at all really not no smell but it's it's a it's an earthy smell like uh, maybe uh, like the forest floor it maybe smells like if and that's only when you open it I mean it's you know it's got a lid on it and oh gotcha Right. And it's, so it's really like worms are the original alchemist, Josh, because they take garbage, right? Food scraps and paper and turn it into black gold, which is food, um, plant food. They turn it into this fertilizer. So we don't need all these chemicals. Like the worms are playing an, an, a, like a, a critical role, which is why I need the laughter because I have this heavy mission of educating people. It's the 20th anniversary of my worm business. Like, can you imagine selling worms by the pound? Thank you. Yep. <laughs> and it's a ridiculous business model because I don't have repeat customers. I have a few, but not, not like, you know, the 80, 20 rule. If you know anything about mm-hmm. um, business, you know, like 20% of your customers, 80% of your revenue, not so much if you're selling worms because they breed more than rabbits. I, I bet. <laughs> huh. Oops. That's bad. Right. But, but you know what? I think when you're really, on purpose and mission, like you have this, I have this incredible vision about how this can play out. So my role here is to be the advocate, is to be the talking worm. I'm the head worm. That's what I feel like. I feel like my role is here to let people know. To, so I really appreciate the opportunity to speak on your podcast. Well, I'm, I'm happy to have you on, Kathy. So I want to ask this, what is this vision? What do you kind of see yourself or is that your vision that you just kind of described there? Yeah, worms in every living space. Imagine worms in every house, every apartment, every classroom, not just every school, like one bin as a project. No, this, these are working animals and they're creating this beautiful black gold. So then we can grow more food, more nutrient rich food, right? Mm-hmm. We're food insecure. Like in Canada, we import 60% of our food. It's a dangerous thing. <laughs> it's right. So it seems fine because we have this global society, right? Until 2020. Whoops. 
everything shut. Well, who knew? Who saw that coming, right? We didn't know. <laughs> it seems like we were like skipping along having our life. Isn't, that, isn't life grand? Yeah, until it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> right? So when our border closes, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. We become food and we import about 60% of our food. I said that. Yeah. So when, when mm-hmm. our, our border closes, um, we become food insecure pretty quick. That's yeah, that's a dangerous game. So worms kind of provide kind of that basic, the soil you need to grow food. So this is a question that kind of came to my mind. How, so right, people are doing it themselves. And in this vision, do you kind of see that so like in public places, do you see them like kind of taking it and using it on farmland, things like that? Is that kind of what you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. So say an apartment, um, a, an apartment building looked after the, the food scraps for, the, for all the units. And so they have a central composting center. Mm-hmm. So they're managing the stuff there. The compost could then be used on the lands. So for landscaping right there, again, or they could use it, give it to the, the uh, condo dwellers or apartment dwellers for their houseplants. Like, like there's, right, it's so beautiful. The worms are reducing the pile by about 80%. So it's not like you have the same what goes in comes out. It's way smaller. So, um, and it's, it's, it doesn't smell it. Ah, oh, there's so many applications, you know, there, so this, we're talking about indoor composting in the house. Everyone has worms. That's why it's a ridiculous business model. Cause I'm <laughs> looking after the individual rather than doing it big massive. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's okay. I'm, I'm playing my, my part. I'm the little cog here doing this little part. Right. But it's a big part. <laughs> that is cool. I, yeah. I like that. I think, Thank you. cause I mean, you hear that in the news quite often, right? Like, Hey, garbage is everywhere. I, it kind of reminds me of the movie Wally actually. Like everyone talks about those futures where, Oh, we're going to have technology where you can travel in space. I'm like, sure we might, but I think the most realistic future for humanity is Wally. Like we're all sitting there just kind of throwing our trash all over the place. And it's kind of like, it's kind of sad. It's like, man, why would we do that? And I think in, with worms that that's a potential solution too. So I guess another thing that kind of comes up, what about things that can't be decomposed by worms? What do you kind of do with that waste? So then that would go in the, in the garbage, but it's going to be way smaller and it's not going to smell because if it doesn't decompose, it's, it's not going to have that, that uh, methane odor, right? The gas. Gotcha. Right. Like the, when, once we remove the food and the organic matter from the, from the garbage, the garbage doesn't smell anymore. Huh? Yeah. That, that makes complete sense right there. So now you have areas where you can, it doesn't smell so you can have people living right next to a landfill, I guess. And it's no problem. So it's interesting. So how do you, uh, get worms to people? Cause I mean, and how do you store them? Cause don't they need dirt to survive? Do you kind of store them in little containers? Cause I've been fishing and I've used, I'll admit I've used worms when I've gone fishing and they come in these little containers. Do you kind of like ship them out like that? Is that kind of what you do? Yeah. So there, so generally when worms are shipped, they're shipped either in peat moss or coconut coir, which is the outside husk of the coconut, a replacement for peat moss, um, wrapped in newspaper or in paper bags sometimes. And then they're in a box and shipped. They come by, by pure, like by courier or in the mail. Huh. <laughs> That's cool. So, and they can order like online and stuff. 
Absolutely. So I don't, I'm, I'm in Canada. I don't, I don't ship worms out of Canada, but there's lots of suppliers in the U.S., especially the warmer states, uh, Florida, California, Texas, Georgia. So I want to ask this, is there like, is there a worm like conference, worm convention type thing where a bunch of the worm like suppliers get together and kind of talk about this? Have you been to them? I, I'm yeah. kind of curious what that's like. Absolutely. Yeah, I've spoken a couple of times at the conference. It's in North Carolina. Rhonda Sherman is the uh, arranger, I think. Oh my gosh, I don't know how many years. Yeah, at least 20 years, I think. Yeah, and it's amazing. The global leaders, this is how the industry is growing, Josh. At the beginning, the first time I went to the uh, the worm conference, was, I, I don't remember what year it was, um, but there was 30 people at the conference. That's it, 30 people. That's crazy. <laughs> From around that's, the world. It's very, that's very small. <laughs> <laughs> the world expert in, the, in one room. Well, pretty cool. Um, but there was big stuff going on with these little creatures. I mean, every country in the world, just about except Antarctica, has um, worms and does some kind of vermiculture. Cuba was the leader um, at one point because uh, when when the Soviet pulled out and, and Cuba fell apart, um, they brought all the organic, you know, all the retired farmers out of retirement to, to learn all about organic growing. And so they incorporated the vermicomposting. Yeah. Interesting. That is, so do worms do better than in warmer climates instead of cold? Cause I mean, you mentioned Antarctica. I mean, I don't know any animals really besides penguins and seals and whales that really can live there, but do worms like prefer certain climates compared to others absolutely they're living creatures so they do require a certain uh temperature and they do yeah better too warm than too cold that's what i say in the in the house when you're doing it in the house there's three key elements temperature moisture and airflow so temperature is like 60 to 80 uh, fahrenheit so i'm kind of curious because there's actually worms out here where i am in utah and they you see them right in the uh summer right and all that but in the winter right you don't see any worms right if they if you do see them it's a dead worm type of thing and i kind of want to ask this how do they survive then winters yeah so let me uh just clarify about the worm there's there's thousands of types of worms the worm okay. uh yeah only four have been identified as optimum for vermicomposting um and we're looking for surface dwellers so red wigglers european nightcrawlers african nightcrawlers and perionics are the four right now. There's probably others. Um, the one that you see outside probably isn't the the composting worm. They're the they're the bait worms. So there's certain types of worms that decompose, like and are good for the composting. Then, yeah. So so the red wigglers say, which are the optimum composting worms, um, are surface dwellers. So that's why you can keep them in a container. They like the warm. I say they're spoiled indoor worms. They like <laughs> like the warmer, <laughs> warmer temperature. The outdoor worms prefer cool temperatures, and um, they live below the frost line. In the winter, they'll they'll go below the frost line, which is why they can keep going. And they deposit as soon as they sense the temperature change. They breed breed more than usual and deposit their little eggs throughout. So they have an external eggs. This is really cool science, uh, like worm one hundred and one. So. Um, worms are hermaphrodites, meaning male and female. Super mm -hmm. cool. Like I think that's a cool concept. And then, like they're like perfectly evolved. Once they mate, they both create a cocoon, so they both get pregnant. Up to twenty mm -hmm. babies in each egg. Five or six is average. So I mean, it's phenomenal reproduction because they're pure protein. 
So wow. lots of like maybe people, I don't know, but people don't eat worms on purpose, <laughs> generally. <laughs> um, but lots of critters do. Lots of animals do because they're protein. So birds, you know, rodents, frogs, snakes. Tw- 20, re- that's a lot. So they have no problem. Like they're not going extinct anytime soon. Like some of these other animals that we talk about. They've been around since the dinosaur. Wow. Waiting. I say waiting to serve their purpose, which is to help us with our garbage crisis and our food crisis. You know, I started my business as a waste management tool, but then quickly realized like that maybe is the side benefit as huge as that is in that they create this black gold, this thing, because we've our soil is depleted of nutrients, which is why we have to keep applying chemicals. Right. Yeah. We keep on trying to grow corn mm-hmm. or wheat or soy like a whole states or whole areas, right? Acres and acres. Like as far as you can see, it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Like to for for animal feed or for for plastic bags or whatever we're <laughs> fuel. Like it's it's it, you know when we think about it, that's not how nature intended. And because we have made such monocropping, now the bugs are the bugs that are existing are more insidious. So now we need more insidious chemicals. So the chemicals now. The pesticides and the acides, which means death, are going right in the plant. And and so we, it doesn't wash off. And they're not even designed to wash off, right? Because if it rained, they'd wash off. Mm-hmm. So they don't. So if we if we think we can go home and just wash our apple under the, under the tap, we're fooling ourselves. We need soap or we need something to cut the chemical. But now the, the chemicals are inside. I don't want to freak people out because worms are a positive solution, right? But when we eat that apple, now we may be eating the chemicals too, which means the side is in us too. It's wow. killing our bugs. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> we should be alarmed, right? Because we have a sickness epidemic, Josh. I'm not saying anything new. If we look around, look at all the commercials on TV are all about pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. like, and then all the side effects. And when you get the side effects, they can give you something else. Um, <laughs> You know, not to be skeptical, but we just need to be aware that if it if we grow it ourselves, which is why, you know, if we have worms, we're I don't mean in our belly. <laughs> if we yeah, right, if we, if we if we have worms managing our food scraps, then we get some beautiful soil. Then we can grow some food. When we grow food, even if we're in a harsh climate like Canada, we have a short growing season here. Mm-hmm. You know, we do, but we can still grow something during that time. Even if you have a window. You can grow something in a pot, like a a lettuce, or you can grow some herbs, you know, to grow something because it's so satisfying when you clip that and you eat it. Wow. Yum. And you're not wasting it. And it's almost a self-sustaining process too, because right. Maybe let's say you throw away some scraps on like the carrot, for example, right? You grow a carrot. I don't know too many people that are eating the tops of things. Maybe there are, I'm not judging. Go for it. You're awesome. But I preferably am like, nah, not my cup of tea. People just throw those back into the soil, right? The worms decompose that, and then you grow more carrots. It's like a self-sustaining process. Am I am I kind of hitting it right on the Absolutely. mark there? Absolutely. That's oh, you made my heart sing. That's exactly it. Awesome. So I, I'm gonna kind of switch gears here. If that's all right with you. <laughs> so you're <laughs> I'm ready. you're a very happy character. You laugh a lot. I want to kind of. I'm kind of curious. I mentioned at the beginning, uh, laughter yoga. What's that about? How did you kind of get into that? Yeah, the path there. Let's 
squirm on over there now. (laughs) (laughs) So 2012, it it is the 20th anniversary of worms in uh, 2012. So 10 years into my worm business, I I was oblivious, Josh. I had no idea that people didn't want what I had. I knew because sales weren't, weren't so great. Right. And I, and it was hard because there was a lot of resistance. I did know, by the way, I, I'm not, I, I wasn't oblivious, but I was, I wanted to, I really believe in humanity. So I was like, everybody needs this. Why don't, why aren't they doing it? And I was mm-hmm. like kind of banging my head. Like, so if someone's going to start a business, you know, it's okay. Just stay with it. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're so passionate, right. That's what makes it easy exactly. to do. That's what makes it easy to do is that I love it so much. I look at 20 years. I still love it. So 10 years in 2012, one more person said to me, Ooh, worms in the house. And I was like, I heard it that time. It hit my heart. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, don't, I had a, like a wake up call. I was like, oh my gosh, why do I care so much? What's happening here? I question everything. Oh my gosh, what is going on? How am I going to do this? How mm-hmm. am I going to fulfill my mission? If people are still saying, ooh, like we've got to okay. stop saying, ooh, so we can hear the message. Ah, and then I was going to doff my mission. And the very next, I was at a business meeting and the, the, the woman... Uh, the first speaker introduced laughter yoga, five minute little intro thing. And I was like, what? I don't even do yoga. So, um, (laughs) but I love laughing. So laughter yoga is not doing yoga and laughing. I'll get to that in a sec. (laughs) That, that week, that same week at a business meeting, uh, hundreds of people, the very first woman I met was a laughter yoga teacher. And I was like, what? Come on. What is laughter yoga twice in one week? Get out of here. (laughs) So I said, wow. Well, I said, wow, laughter yoga is mainstream. (laughs) 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 And she said, no, it isn't. Anyway, long story short, I got trained as a leader. I got trained as a teacher. It saved my worm business because when we're laughing, we're full on present. We can't be thinking about mm-hmm. all the shenanigans going on in the world, the fear, fear, fear. We're just like, we're right here, right now. Ha, ha, ha. We're just <laughs> present, right? Living our life like we're supposed to, like today, right now. That's all we have, right? This moment we have together, Josh, that's it. Stop thinking about what you said a minute ago. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I oftentimes fall into that trap, right? It's I start thinking like, oh my gosh, that was stupid. Why did I say that? Right? And then... Sometimes, most of the time, I like to think of it this way. It's like, at the end of the day, are they going to think about it like 30 minutes, 45 a day? Like after maybe that minute, they'll be like, oh, that was a little odd. But after that, they're going to forget about it. So why bother beating yourself up over that? Sorry, I kind of cut you off there. So. No, no, that's that's exactly right. It's That's exactly it. We all do it. You said you do it. Everybody does it. And that's why the laughter is such a beautiful gift because it retrains our mind. It, it retrains our our practice instead of going, oh, wah, 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 and beating ourselves yeah. up. We can just laugh, like point at it. <laughs> that's one of the activities. So laughter yoga is not about jokes or comedy. It's not doing yoga and laughing. It, there's gentle movements. It is a cardiovascular workout. So when we're laughing full on in a laughter club, 30 or 60 minutes, um, and it works beautifully on Zoom because you have gallery view and you know, you're know you all looking cool. at each other. It's so fun. It's so fun. And so there's clapping and chanting. So you clap palm to palm because you're activating the meridians. And that helps people get people out of their head. 
gives them something to do, right? Rather than just saying, hey, laugh, because that's what we really want. <laughs> mm-hmm. If we could, right? If we could just laugh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> that's all we need. That's all we need. That's, that's what it's about because our diaphragm is attached to all of our organs. And so when we're laughing, all of our organs are jiggling around. Oxygen is getting to all of our body. So it's scientifically proven that laughter is the best medicine. It's so cool. It's just we've forgotten. And, you know, um, everybody I meet, I ask them, have you heard that laughter is the best medicine? Have you, Josh? I have, actually. Yeah, so everybody's heard that. I haven't met one person yet that said, oh, no, tell me about that. Laughter is the best medicine. It's not just an expression. It's the truth. We probably knew it at one time. That's why we all mm-hmm. say it. And then I say, to, have you had your daily dose? Dopamine oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins, the love drugs. <laughs> yeah. Laughing's contagious too, right? So when you start laughing, other people tend to follow suit, right? And it, it's just this domino effect too. And it, it goes the other way as well, right? If you're negative and you bring that negative energy in, people, that, that also has a domino effect and everyone's like, oh, fine, I'll be miserable too. So it's kind of, you're right. Laughter is the best medicine because just... It impacts other people and yourself as well. It helps everyone around. Sorry, I kind of cut you off there again, but could you it's finish? So exciting! Your <laughs> it's so exciting. I yeah. We're so we're secreting the love drugs versus cortisol and adrenaline, the stress hormones. Mm-hmm. Right? It's our choice. We're in charge of our own pharma. How cool! And you said it exactly right. I want to pick up on what you said because it does impact other people. It is contagious in a good way, (laughs) in a positive way, because when we're like, it's energy. So you were talking about the negative energy. If you're in a negative way, Mm -hmm. then right, it's energy. That's absolutely it. And our brain, I've recently heard or learned that our brain is primed to negative. That's why the news, it's all negative when we're all watching it and we're all like you know glued to the news and all the that if we can't control it not that we shouldn't know about it we need to know kind of what's going on I don't think we need to know all the deets like stop saying all the graphic stuff because we can't get that out of our head once we see those images and hear those things over and over repeated like how many people like I'm sorry about the U.S. but all the all the all the you know the shootings Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems uh, that's what we hear about in Canada. I mean, yeah. we have them too. Not that we're, nothing's happening here. We have stuff, all kinds of stuff. It's just when we keep on hearing all the negative and then, you know, war and COVID and flu and vaccines and uh, masks and shutting down and staying mm-hmm. isolated, stay away, like stay apart from people. No, we're people. Are you kidding? We have to be, we're social. Mm-hmm. We have, so we have a global mental health tsunami, Josh. We have a global crisis. We're all in this together. And um, that's why laughter, I'm being called right now. Even though my mission is worms and I really want people to care about the planet, we cannot care about anything other than ourselves if we're having a mental health crisis. We can't, we can, right? We're just like right here going, ah, and we're all, and we're, and even our body language, we're small, we're, we're closed, we're looking down, you know, we're, we're breathing shallow. Those are all signs of like sadness and depression. And here's a light bulb thing. I hope people hear this when I say this. I don't have a cell phone, not that part. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's the truth. But when we're looking at our, our cell phones, we're looking down. So we actually have the physiology of depression. 
We have a candy cane neck. We're looking down. So although we're looking at happy, funny cat videos or whatever we're looking at, that's funny. So we may be laughing. We're sending mixed chemicals to our brain. Can you imagine? We're having a battle in our brain. Wow. I hope that is like, (laughs) because we spend a lot of time looking down. We got to look up more. We're not getting rid of our technology. I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting making sure that your back is, is straight because... It's our health. I, I agree. So this kind of reminded me of something funny I would do. So when I was in school, I would I would tell people just randomly out of the blue, I would just say, look up. And, I would, and they'd be like, <laughs> why? And I'm like, I don't know. It was just, I just did it on impulse for no reason. But then as I started wondering, I'm like, why? Why am I like telling people to look up? And I realized mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to actually talk with a person, right? Like sometimes they're like wow. looking down, looking, and maybe right. It's like shame or something. Like oh, I'm, I don't want to admit this, right? But most of the time, like, dude, just look at me and just look, let's talk. Like let's just have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm guilty of it too, right? Sometimes I look down and I'm like, oh. But I just found I'm like you have way more engaging conversations when you actually look up and talk with each other, and that's. I don't know. That's just kind of funny side note. I would tell people just look up like, and I would like tap their neck and they'd be like, what? I love that. What's going on? And, and then sometimes it, it kind of eventually became a joke where I would say, look up and they're like, what's up? And I'm like, the sky. And they would laugh like, what? Like, that's a little odd and just kind of tweaks their brain a little bit in a way where it's like, what, what is this guy talking about? And they actually are kind of folks like, Hey, let's like, try and understand what this guy's saying and then I can actually get my point and talk about hey this is what I want to talk to you with like about and that's yeah that's just kind of a little funny side note there but that's interesting I think laughter again best medicine that a lot of people need and again it's contagious it's kind of taking that focus off yourself and saying all right if I laugh other people around me laugh as well it's just better for society we're going to be happier people. And to your point with the cell phones, how would you say we kind of live with technology, but not become kind of what we are today with technology? Because I think it's a great tool. I mean, we're communicating mm. across the like countries right now. I think that's right? impressive. <laughs> like, it's really cool. But how do we kind of use technology in a way that we don't become what we kind of just described? Yeah, I think um, boundaries. We need to set boundaries. We kind of like s- social media and this whole thing is is designed. I mean, if anyone watches the, what is it called? The social... The network. Social network or social something about how social media is. Yeah, <laughs> People should and watch like the that documentary. Yeah, because, you know, it really is designed to keep your eyeballs on the platforms, right? If it's Twitter or Facebook or or TikTok or whichever one people are using, they really are designed to keep us there. And I find myself, so it's not that I'm not on those platforms, I am, but you know, mm-hmm. if I'm on them, I'm at home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, I'm on my desktop or my laptop. I, you know, I log out each time, but all of a sudden I'll find myself scrolling again. I'm like, how did I get here? Exactly. So even without the thing, I can only imagine how I would be. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judging anybody for being on their technology. I know if I had one, I would be on it too. And that's why I don't want to have one. You know, I don't think I need one. And, and here's why I don't really have a cell phone. It's because I'm a rabid environmentalist. 
and 20 years trying to tell people to be kinder to the planet and cell phones are really destructive. And I, in, in 2009, I was doing, um, a cable show, just a local cable show. I was an environmental expert. So I would look up Mm -hmm. stuff every month. That's cool. And one month I talked about cell phones and the statistics in 2009. Oh my gosh. These are us stats. Um, in 2009, 549,000 cell phones were discarded daily. So this is way before any smart stuff, like mm-hmm. 2012 when all the smart, smart stuff came in. So imagine like every year you got to get a new thing because either it's obsolete or whatever, right? So I was like, man, it doesn't need to be five, four, you know, and one. And and now it's part of my brand and I realize, wow, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm amazed how many people when I say I don't have a cell phone, I mean, young people stop breathing first. <laughs> They're like... <laughs> And I'm like, breathe, breathe. Oh, it's okay. And they're like, how do you function? And I'm like, I don't understand the question. (laughs) Interesting. Right. I have a landline. I I literally have a landline. (laughs) That's cool. No, I think that's good because, I mean, I think especially I didn't know there was that many phones discarded. But also, I mean, I kind of look at it and like, I know how much resources are in those products, right, that they build. I'm like, and you're just going to huck them out. Like there's gold and like a little bit of gold in each. I'm like, that's pretty limited. Like even for you economists out there, you know how valuable gold is to an economy. Like you should <laughs> like do something with this gold that people are throwing, throwing out. That That's kind of my first thoughts when I heard that was, wow, what a waste of material that we could be using or reusing or melt it down and use it in something else right. in another way. And yeah. I'm sure there's people out there doing stuff, but sorry, go ahead. No, there are lots of things going on. It's true. That's why it seems kind of overwhelming, you know, because there's so many, like when you say the statistics about things, it's like, wow, it's like, oh, what can I do as an individual? And I, and I think we can all do our part. It got here Mm. by all of us doing (laughs) what we're doing now, Exactly. (laughs) all of us contributing. You know, so I think, um, and not to judge anyone, you know, not to, oh, you have to change everything. No, just as you're buying something new, make sure that it's, it is environmentally sustainable. Like who made it? Where did it come from? You know, was it child labor that um, created that shirt that you're wearing or whatever, you know, like be aware of these things because we don't really want to be sponsoring or supporting our dollars are where we can make a difference by buying like the the manufacturers are going to do what we want if we stop supporting their evil ways. Yeah, I think, especially with the dollar, I think that has significant influence. Like sometimes people feel like they're stuck in, oh, we're stuck in this system. I'm like, no, you actually have a lot more. I I think the beautiful thing is that there's kind of this checks to things, right? So everyone's like, oh, the investors, they have money. Like, no, they, they they keep the CEOs in check. They make sure the CEOs don't go crazy. And then I'm like, and the CEOs make sure that they're producing products. But I'm like, but the people that actually buy them, they keep the CEOs and the investors in check because it's like, hey, people aren't buying this or there's no need for this, right? Entrepreneur, right? It's like, there's no need for this. People aren't buying this. Let's go a different route. And that tends to, I'm like, that's the best way to do it. Like, just stop buying. If you don't agree with that, what that company's doing, don't buy from them. And I guarantee if enough people stop buying from them, they'll start looking, taking a step back and saying, Hey, how can we improve this process? How can we improve 
or why are people not buying our product or something like that? And that's, I think there's like this checks and balances, right? Where we kind of check them and say, and then they provide us with new cool technology that we can use and progress, you know, mankind to a better world. That's mm. just kind of my, some of my thoughts there. I'd love to hear some of your comments and what you kind of think there. I, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. When, if we, if we keep on supporting, cause it's about the bottom line, it's all only about money for some of these large corporations. So if we consider the triple bottom line, which is people, planet and profit. So all three, you know, so if we look at our purchases as, you know, is this company doing good for the planet? Do they care about their employees? You know, and then money. Of course, they have to make money. That's why you're in business. Um, mm -hmm. But money ought not be the driver because, you know, I, I think if it's about your, your employees being happy, if you look at the companies that do, um, that have a low uh, turnover rate, see what they're doing. Like, how do they look after their employees? Like, they, they may be some of the most polluting companies, but they want to keep their people. So they have gyms and they have you know, little incentives, they have extra holidays, I don't know, all kinds of things to mm -hmm. keep their people happy. No, I think that's right. They, they'll, they'll move their dollars where they need to. So yeah, I, I've loved what you've been sharing today. And I hate to wrap this up, but maybe we'll, uh, we're going to look to do this. So I'm going to bring up the intelligent question of the day. And that is, how do people go out and kind of make that what small change could they do today where they could impact the world for better and I mean we kind of already touched on it a little bit where they could buy to companies but maybe what's something if they want to take that extra step go that extra mile what's that extra step they could do ah oh, if people want to live a better life I would say look up <laughs> there you go. I, I would say look up connect with people like when you're out walking don't be on your device you know don't mm -hmm. have your earbuds in be looking around listen to the birds listen to um you know and talk to some people I, that i mean i know that's not about the planet but it is because if we care about each other then we're going to care about our home we only have one planet and and not to be alarmist, it's just like it's it's on fire, as Greta would say. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, it is. We really need to take action and, and care, and it matters. Um, if we if we keep our positive energy, I would say come to my laughter club. Yes, that's what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> Love to do that. <laughs> it's probably too early for you. It's it's nine thirty a.m. Yeah. Eastern. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not, it's on Zoom. So anyone that's listening, really come to my laughter club. I would say we really need to look after ourselves, Josh. It's not selfish. Self love is not selfish. It's self care and it's really important because we go, we go, we go, we like, oh, I have this deadline. It's like, if you're, if you're going to fall asleep at the wheel, like literally, you know, while you're driving because you're so exhausted from trying to serve, that's, that's not a life. You know, we really have to enjoy the journey. We're really not to be here. I, I believe that we're not here to slog along and everything be a challenge. Oh, good, I overcame that mountain. No, I think that we're really here to enjoy. We really, our birthright 
is to live a joy-filled life. We just have to find the path that, to get there. Interesting. Well, that was the intelligent answer of the day, everyone. That was that was great. Thank you for sharing that. I think there's a lot of things people can take away from that. And I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, can go join your laugh, laughter, yoga, and all that. I think that's cool. So kind of as we wrap up here, what is the best way people can kind of find your laugh, like join your laugh class and uh, if they want to get into the worms and all of that, what's the best way they can kind of connect with you, reach out to you, learn more about you? What's the best way they can do that? So my laughter page is kathysclub.com, Kathy with a C and then an S. <laughs> and the worms is kathyscomposters.com. And I'm on, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Awesome. Sweet. So for those of you, if you liked what Kathy has been saying today, I would challenge you guys to reach out to her. I'm sure she would love to have you guys. So Kathy, I hate to wrap this up, but thank you for coming on today. I enjoyed having you and learning more from you. And I'm sure the audience did as well. Thank you for your insights, Josh. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I'm happy to contribute in a way that if there is any sometimes, but I learned a ton from you. So thank you. So everyone, as you can tell, that is Kathy Nesbitt. As you can tell, she's a very intelligent person, has great things to say. I challenge you guys, if you liked anything you heard today, to reach out to her. She dropped her info there. You can reach out to her there. Stay tuned until next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys. See you guys next week, and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.